This is Acceptable Vices for February 13th, Friday the 13th, 2015. This week, we talk about Amazon Prime's new 2015 pilot season. This is Acceptable Vices, the show where we talk about interesting and awesome things with awesome and interesting people. I'm your host, Victor Frost, and we have with us today my two lovely co-hosts. First up, it's Jerba. Hello. I'm stealing <laughs> Nelson's hello now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we've got Nelson. Speaking of, there he is. Uh, hello. Hello. We have, a, we have a slightly different pitched hello. Uh, so how we you guys do that back and forth for an entire show? That's next week. <laughs> oh no! You see, that's going at the end of this show. Speaking of Chirba, did you happen to catch the end of the last uh, Acceptable Vices? The ending of that no? episode? You didn't? No? Oh no! I haven't listened yet. I actually, I should. Uh, how many episodes have I got stacked up? <laughs> apparently, I'm currently listening listening to Twit. Which also gives me an idea. We're not meant to talk about the Google self-driving car, but I was sure, help, sure as hell drive a Google self-loathing car. <laughs> what, like a uh, yeah, the I, uh, I, the uh, like the robot from like the ro- is it like self self-loathing from the like the robot from uh, what call it the God, Hitchhiker's Guide? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. I'm in the paranoid android, yeah, brain the size of a planet, and they asked me to open and close doors. <laughs> <laughs> And I have uh, a terrible pain diodes all down my right side. It's ghastly. It's ghastly. Um, but, but not like the sick ghost Pokemon. Yeah. Uh, well, audience, then you know you you're probably cracking up because you know what was on that episode, and Chirba doesn't. So I guess Chirba's going to have to find out later. Um, but at any rate, we are going to be reviewing. Uh, Amazon.com's new 2015 pilot offerings. It's very exciting. I'm, I'm, I liked I liked many of them, but not all of them. Um, I like, uh, before we start, Victor, I just want you to remember something. Yes, I really do know exactly where you live. <laughs> I know yeah. how to get keys to your house. Yeah. <laughs> is does that I have? Gotta, I'm sorry. Is, is does that have anything to do with this? Time. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. The, the, we, at the end, of, the thing at the end, the, at the uh, end of the last episode, you, I think you're gonna bust a gut. Um, but um, no. But anyways, back Probably. to. I normally, I normally listen while I'm mowing, so people just walking by my house and fucking think I'm a maniac because I'm just fucking going back and forth with the lawnmower and cackling like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> um. But at any rate, uh, we've got uh, Nelson and I watched the new offerings. Uh, Chirba does, uh, did not because he does not have Amazon Prime, nor is it particularly useful to him in Australia. So when we, as we uh, review each show, uh, after we're done with each show, Chirba's going to make a recommendation because if you like that kind of show, you'll probably like this other kind of show that's going to be at. Is, that's, is that about right, Chirba? That sounds about the size of it, yeah. All um, right. I've also gone out of my way to only pick good stuff, not stuff that's just thematically linked, because I couldn't think of anything else. No, I've picked actual good stuff, and also, you know, stuff that isn't 
widely known. Like, for example, I'm not just going to say, oh, yeah, watch Wilfred, because Down Dogs has a dog in the name of it, and I didn't watch it. <laughs> no, but seriously, watch Wilfred. Yeah, watch Wilfred. Watch uh, the original. It's yeah. Good. Yep. Okay, so um, let's start with the uh, adult stuff. With the grown-up oriented stuff, uh, how about uh, Nelson? How do you feel about the New Yorker Presents? I think it is interesting. Um, it's too slow. It's interesting as supplemental content to like New Yorker stuff, but I don't think it has enough uh, of anything to really be its own show. Really, I thought it was actually. I thought it was actually kind of cool. I thought it was um, like a a magazine, but in video format. I especially like the whole thing at the beginning where they give you like the table of contents and the time codes for each segment. But that I was good. Yeah, I watched like the whole thing straight through, and I really enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good. I think actually, maybe not as a as an Amazon show, but I could see it on YouTube. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. With the click with the clickable mm-hmm. annotations. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what did you think about the uh the different segments in that there was that interview with the uh with the artist lady who this is the sort of thing that makes me wish I had taken notes, but that interview <laughs> with that art, with the artist lady. Um What what did you think? Uh Ma- Mariana Abramovic. Yeah, I enjoyed it, but I, it didn't really stand out for me. Mm. Um It was not bad. It just didn't really stand out. It would definitely be a YouTube... If it was a, a YouTube show, I would definitely watch it on occasion, like I watch all my YouTube stuff. Mm. Um, but as television, I feel like television requires a certain format. And, it, you know, you're not locked into, like, the sitcom format, but uh, you do need some kind of cohesive you know, episode. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to do a recurring show when the show is itself split up into little bits like that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I thought it was great as that. I thought it was great as that format, but I'm with you. I think it would have been better. It's better as a YouTube thing. I mean, it definitely goes. It definitely disembarks from the standard television style production, which I guess is kind of the point of of what Amazon is doing. But I don't know. Yeah, it's a neat idea. And I think that idea can live on in some kind of format. But I don't know if that format will be a syndicated television show. No. I mean, which they're not trying to, they're probably not going to try to do anyways. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Cherbo, what if, what if, so oh, before we go to Cherbo, uh, Nelson, what do you think? Do you think, uh, do you think it's, uh, green light up do you think it's going to get green lit or uh i i don't think so but you know what i don't think so for a completely different reason than enjoyment because while it is enjoyable i don't think most people will be into it i mean it seems to be getting pretty decent reviews it's got four and it's got yeah four and a half stars firefly got canceled yeah, but that's Fox. Critical, Fox also reception is <laughs> yeah, but that's <laughs> yeah, but that's Fox. Fox also canceled Almost Human. So hey, man, Firefly got canceled, but fucking Farscape went on forever. So, <laughs> All right. Score one for us. <laughs> yeah. I think um, 
I, I think it's going to be backed because it looks like the New Yorker wants to do it. But I don't I don't I don't know if it's gonna be altogether successful. Mm-hmm. So I hope it does keep going, but I'm not sure. But I would I would back it. I, I would vote for it to keep going. All right, so Cherbo, what have you got that's uh that's up in that wheelhouse? Well, since it is meant to be a documentary series from the short summaries that I was able to read, because Amazon fucking hates everyone that isn't American. Yeehaw. Uh, yeah. Also, <laughs> fuck you, Amazon. Uh, let's see. I ended up uh, finding, well, a couple of documentary series simply because it's a bit hard to pick just one, to be honest. <laughs> Because they're all good, and it all depends on what you're into. But I picked some pretty good general ones. Right, first off, we've got Who Do You Think You Are? And the basic concept for Who Do You Think You Are, there's a couple of different series. There's uh, an Australian one and a UK one. Both are very good. But basically what they do is they take a person, usually a famous person, or a person of some note, and they go through old family documents, tracing through their family tree, using uh, genetics and old documents and mementos, things like that. And it's always really interesting. Like, there was one chap who found out that his grandfather was actually a Nazi. (laughs) Okay. And some other chap who found out that he absolutely wasn't the... uh, He didn't have the family heritage he thought he had. He thought he was a mix of certain ethnicities, and it turns out he just really wasn't. Hmm. Right. Other than that, there's Australian Story, which is basically profiles of a bunch of notable Australians. You know, Julia Gillard, Hazel Hawke, Wayne Bennett, uh, Steve Irwin was on there, Belinda Emmett was on there, Red Simmons, a comedian, was on there. There's, it's an ongoing series, so there's a lot to choose from. And there's also a couple of non-Australians in there, like uh, Heidi Klum, Jimmy Carter, interestingly enough, was uh, on Australian Story for a while. I have no idea why. I should look that up. But that's, that's an excellent series that's still ongoing, and it's got so many episodes that you can just find whoever the hell you're interested in or just like the look of the name of. Hmm. And as opposed to the traditional uh, reported style of documentary where you've got a narrator... All of the stories are told by the subjects themselves, so you don't have some random guy telling you about Red Simon's career. You have Red Simon's telling you about Red Simon's career and all the people around Red Simon's. So that's a pretty good one. And if you want something a little lighter, here's the fun one. Hamish and Andy's Gap Year series. They've got the first Gap Year where they stayed in New York. They have Euro Gap Year where they went to London and travelled around... uh, Europe. They've got Gapia Asia based out of Thailand, and now they've got Gapia South America based out of Buenos Aires. What's left Gapia Africa just, and Antarctica? It is just a hilarious show. You fucking you seriously have to watch it. Like for example, in the very first Hamish and Andy's Gapia, uh, what, they're both comedians, improv comedians, and one of them actually won the New York State heavyweight bodybuilding title despite being an out-of-shape, slightly tubby Australian comedian because he entered the category <laughs> and just his sheer weight made sure that he was the only person in the category. 
So <laughs> he basically ended up taking it a bodybuilding title despite his training regime consisting entirely of cracking jokes and eating chips. <laughs> Sounds like my kind of training. Um. But yes, it is worth it, and it's an excellent both travel show and documentary show. They go around, see interesting people and interesting things, tell the story of them, things like that. Sounds like uh, sounds like uh, it has a little bit of an idiot abroad in there. Kind of, except there's two idiots. <laughs> double, double the fun. <laughs> exactly. Though, unfortunately, neither of them have a head which could qualify as the roundest object in existence. <laughs> head like a fucking orange. I swear orange. to God, Carl has a head exactly like an orange. <laughs> with, well, an orange with a face, I suppose. Right. So, uh, what's the next show, Victor, with a mouthful of water? <laughs> uh, the next show is going to be one of the historical, um, historical, well, yes, yeah, I guess, I guess you could be say it's historical, historical, on, historical drama called the point, called Point of Honor. Uh, the premise is that at the start of the Civil War, a prominent Virginia family makes a controversial decision to defend the South while freeing all of their slaves, pitting the family against one another and testing their strength, courage, and love. Um, show's got a pretty okay pedigree. It was co-written by Carlton Cuse, uh, who wrote on Lost and Randall Wallace from the movie Braveheart. Um, and it was also directed by one of the writers, which I personally like because... Um, well, cinema is a director's medium, television is a writer's medium, so I like it when the writers get to actually direct. And it was shot actually in Virginia as opposed to in Canada or New Zealand. So, um, I, I really liked this show. I mean, I thought it was, uh, I thought it had a lot of good moments. I don't know what it is, though. Maybe I'm just used to, um, maybe I'm just used to really short shows like i watch a lot of shows like adventure time and steven universe and those are like 15 minutes at a piece so maybe i'm just so used to that but it felt like i was watching a movie and well it, it has the that kind of cinematic feel it does um i also liked the uh, the idea of this family that it, you always hear oh the civil war was brother against brother and you pretty much got that you got brother versus brother-in-law and the brother-in-law is the only one that's fighting for the north, and everybody else is fighting from the south. And you're taking the the whole thing from the south's perspective, which I thought was really interesting because you often get the civil war from just the north's perspective. Um, Nelson, I, what, what, as as a fellow Yankee, what did you think? Well, I mean, I I don't know if I'm a Yankee. I don't think anyone in my family lived in the United States at any point near the Civil War. Nelson, but, you're, north um, of the, you're north of the Mason-Dixon line. You're a Yankee. I guess this is true. Um, you know, I, I, you say that there's a lot of uh, Civil War media from the North's perspective. There's a lot of weird nostalgia about the Civil War from the South's, South's pers- yeah, perspective. Oh, yeah. Um, and I feel like this is contributing to it a little bit. Even though it's like, oh no, they freed all their slaves. They're they're nice white people. It's still <laughs> kind of like I don't want to say schmaltzy, but it ha- it it irks me. It it does that have kind that. Of like it is a little schmaltzy. I mean, it very much has that. Darling, why don't we go sit down the, the underneath the willow tree and drink some sarsaparilla? Kind of feel to it. <laughs> So what did what did you think of the um, the show in general? 
I wouldn't greenlight it um, if there was a long afternoon and I had nothing else to do. I would probably watch it. I should also note, while I was looking at these various shows and like trying to find summaries and things, I actually discovered that Point of Honor was the only show out of all of these that had no positive reviews that I could find. Everyone yeah. except Victor fucking hated this show. <laughs> Uh, well, and, and apparently people who are reviewing it on Amazon because there's tons of like four and five star ratings for it, and it's averaging like a uh, a four star rating on the uh, for the on the, on Amazon with like most of them being five star. But perhaps that's a bit biased. I'm imagining. Yeah, but this is Amazon. You can get five star ratings on Amazon for fucking milk. Yeah. <laughs> This milk That's was true. the best milk ever. It cured my wife of cancer. That is actually kind of not that far off for some no, of the reviews no. for that milk. <laughs> there's, there's reviews for, what was it, that 50-gallon drum of lube? Oh, yes. Perfect for any sticky situation you find yourself in. <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> At least I no-sell your jokes quietly. No, but you, but you, but you take me on every single segue I try to do. So, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed, I do. But All right. There's another place I'd like to take you. Dinner. It's a place candlelight. called Bleak House from 2005. No, Victor, that's for after the show. <laughs> <laughs> it's a 15-part show from the BBC. What's the name of the show it's again? Based Bleak House. Okay. Ooh, I've heard good things about that. Yes, house is in the place you live in, and bleak is in Victor's dating prospects. Oh, bastard! <laughs> yes. <laughs> but anyway, basically, it's based on the Dickens novel of the same name, and it covers a... I'm reading from Wikipedia here, since I haven't read the novel. But anyway, it covers the long-standing estate battle between two families, uh, sorry, between one family, there's another family that comes in at a different point. But anyway, and it's about wills, basically, uh, the conflict of... Okay, when I say conflict of wills, I don't mean people fighting each other, even though people are fighting each other. I mean legal wills. Like, when I die, this guy gets my stuff kind of wills. Okay, we got it. Yes, Okay. But basically, there's a whole bunch of drama about that. It's an excellent, very uh, very well-put-together, tense kind of period drama. While, yeah, it is your typical English costume drama, you know, people of that era in, that co in those costumes with those English manners and accents, it's actually really worth the watch, unlike a lot of other costume dramas, to be honest. Because just the tension, the acting, the drama, the chemistry between the actors, the tuberculosis, all of it is played incredibly well. It is worth watching, even if you're not normally into period dramas. The tuberculosis plays its part especially well. I, yes. I haven't caught the whole thing, I'll admit. However, it is strong for everything that I've seen so far. Okay. I was also going to suggest uh, I was also going to suggest one called Carolyn's War, also known as Vale Valhalla, but unfortunately it's not out yet. Despite being announced in like 2012, it is still coming out. So, Sounds like the live-action Ghost in a Shell movie. 
Fuck it, watch Underbelly instead. There's an Underbelly of the 1920s. Underbelly Razor, I think that one was. But yeah, there's an Underbelly for basically every criminal conspiracy in this part of the world for like the last hundred years. So find one of them that's appropriate to the period you want. So, um, Nelson, uh, let we can let's close this off. What did, would you, um, if if it were to be released, would you watch? Would you continue watching Point of Honor? Only, again, as I said before, only if I had nothing else to do that day. It, it was, it was also forgettable. Okay. For me, for me, television is either really good or forgettable, or in very very small number of cases actually bad like if, if there's a show that I'm not into I'll just turn it off okay. I, have, I have very little patience for television see I watch a lot of documentaries and stuff but the few fiction shows I watch I will watch it like completely so I'm thinking that I'm hoping all of these all the ones of these that I like are made so I can just keep watching them because mm-hmm. I made I like it's it's like when Almost Human got cancelled. It was like, no, I need to know what happens next. Uh, Alright, so let's move Everybody al- dies. Rocks fall, everyone dies. <laughs> they never become fully human. The end. Um, okay, so uh, next drama. This one's historical fiction. Uh, Man- the Man in High Castle, based on Philip K. Dick's uh, do- uh, novel. Uh, if you're not familiar with the novel, the premise is that what would the world be like if the Allied powers had lost World War II and Germany and Japan ruled the you know the land of the United States? Um, so not really historical then. No, well that's why it's his- that's why it's. Um, <laughs> What is it? Is it is, 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 alternate history? That's it. Alternate history. There you go. Alternate history fiction. Um, Although to be fair, it's alternate history historical fiction because it does take, take place, place in, in like the fifties or sixties. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. So Ridley Scott, uh, name that really doesn't need any introduction among the demographic for this show, uh, pro- is the executive producer. Um, stars uh, Rufus Sewell, uh, Luke Kleintank. And uh, Alexa Davalos. Uh, so, I I don't know. I mean, I'm torn about this show. I'm not sure how I really want to feel about it. So, uh, Nelson, what, what what was your impression of the Man in High Castle? First off, did you read this the book? Is, I read the book um, or bookette novella. I yeah. believe I don't know if it's a full length novel. Um, I have read it. Uh, this is the one show that I am really into. Like, okay. the, the setting and the, the realization of the world is pretty spot on. Um, it takes pretty dramatic departures from the book, but for interesting reasons. Um, it's, a, I guess, a minor spoiler to say that the book concerns itself with a... a uh, what's it called when there's a piece of fiction inside a piece of fiction? Um, metafictional MacGuffin? Yes, there's a metafictional MacGuffin that is a book uh, inside of this book that is banned and uh, very, you know, uh, not sacrilegious, but... Seditious. Yeah, it's a seditious book that uh, says, well, what if the Allies had won the war? And that's, you know... And so the the story of the man in the high castle is finding the author and, you know, doing all this stuff. 
around this banned book. And in the TV show, it's a banned movie. And that has, uh, you know, some interesting changes from the novel, um, you know, being that it's a visual medium and things like that. So that's that's kind of interesting. So I, I've not read this novella. I mean, do you, based on the changes in here, do you think a similar plot arc could be taken you know, bringing this, you know, this work to for bringing the the story to about the same conclusion, or do you think the the deviations are strong enough that it would, you know, present itself as a different ending compared to that I, the source? I honestly don't know. I think that from what I've seen, the divergence will be fairly large, but it it's working so far. Like it's it's good divergence. It's like um, uh, like what's an example of really good. Divergence in a TV show from uh, Game of Thrones. Eh, a little. I mean, Game of Thrones hasn't diverged until very recently. Oh, mm. yeah, The Walking Dead. Better for it. Well, it was, yeah, but The Walking Dead TV show was terrible. <laughs> but that. <laughs> well, it is a Carl. Carl. Yeah, I think. I think here's. I'm gonna say, if it gets greenlit, I think we'll be better than The Walking Dead. Um, I is is that high praise or is that just low? Is that a a low bar to to vault that's over? A, that's a pretty low bar. Okay. Um, I have not, like I said, I have not read this uh, the novel, but I was in watching this. I was re I got really drawn into what was happening. I like that it was ba- that it that the pilot took the time to introduce the two central characters and how it, you know, how we could follow their journey coming together. And of course the twist at the end, what a twist. Um, I was, I was pretty okay with, I wasn't quite sure. I mean, it it was a good enough twist that there wasn't any hints coming up to it at the, up until the point. But um, I was, uh, I was pretty, I'm pretty satisfied with this. I like the idea that it's not just a a matter of getting this, this film trying to find out who made this film how they're showing the um the 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 potential the potential big calamity on the the death of hitler and Mm -hmm. finding out well will the nazis goose step across further across the united states and take over the bit that they gave to japan and if so what happens with that or if there's if there's one thing that i think the TV show kind of rushed over. It was the uh, all the politicking going on in the Japanese government. Oh yeah, like, there's a little bit of you know the the agent who's meeting with the the Japanese ambassador and mm-hmm. they're talking about stuff that is actually super important in the like, book, in the book, and probably in the show because that agent is has an agenda that isn't really hinted at in the first episode, but yeah. I would imagine if it follows at least the, a little bit of what the books do or the book singular does that that will become important. See, I really That's like right. the, I really like politics in, in mm-hmm. good drama shows. So like I'm hoping, I'm hoping the politics plays a big part because it's, in, it's always interesting to see like, you've got the little, you got the view of, these two people and then you've got the view of the which is just like the lives of these two people 
And then you've got the view from the politics point of view, which is how is the how are these how is this little event changing and influencing these big events, and you know, vice versa. So mm-hmm. I'm really I'm really into when shows get into stuff like that. So um, you you're obviously hoping it does really well and gets you know and gets produced. Yeah, I I think it would be. Uh, we need more good alternate history future sci-fi. Yeah. TV shows, and uh, I am I I am also really hoping it gets produced. So, um, ho- and it looks like it's going to be because it's got eight thousand four hundred and eight ratings, and it's one hundred percent five star. Basically, it's got like maybe six hundred of them that are four star, and then like it gets into the double digits after three stars. So, I'm there's I'm, one guy who really hates it. I'm yeah, sure. Screw him. Um. So, Cherbo, what have you got that's up in this uh, up the alley in here? Well, there's two things, and one of them is technically not a show, but I thought of it just while you guys were talking about it. <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> enough. Go ahead. Okay, the first thing is, since you all need to read a book, read a book, read a motherfucking book, you need to go out and acquire yourself a copy of the Axis of Time trilogy by John Birmingham, which is comprised of weapons of choice, Designated Targets, and Final Impact. And despite the very dad fiction names, (laughs) it's basically a trilogy of books about the effects of a, well, in the near future, a multinational task force of ships and aircraft and so on, uh, sailing from East Timor over to Indonesia to launch a counterattack against the... Muslim caliphate who have declared a global jihad. I know this storyline is immediately thrown the fuck out because the science vessel in their midst has a catastrophic accident during a test that throws them all back right into the middle of the US fleet steaming towards the Battle of Midway. When I say into, I mean literally into. They materialize inside of ships. (laughs) Turbo? Yes. Have you ever seen the movie oh, what is it called? If you say Final Countdown, yes. Yes, yes, Final yes, Countdown. Yes, I've seen Final Countdown. It is better than Final Countdown. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, although I really enjoyed Final Countdown, it just ended very abruptly. Didn't this? Didn't it this did. book? Yes. Didn't, didn't these books start as like a um, something on like something being written on a forum or something? No, no, no. You're thinking of um, oh god, what was the name of it? Uh. Yeah, I'm uh, thinking of going um, the one where they go back into Rome. Yeah, Rome. that's yeah, the it's, one. Yeah, uh, it's U.S. Marines being sent back to Rome. Um, the cover of this book? Oh, Rome Sweet Rome. That's what that one was. Rome Sweet but, Rome. But yes, weapons of choice. And here's the thing. Instead of the usual, oh, you know, the future people go and kick all of those dumb troglodytes' asses with the magic future technology... That does not happen, because here's an interesting thing you might not know about World War II battleships compared to the battleships of today. They had serious fucking armor, and they duked it out with giant fucking cannons in the middle of the ocean. They didn't sit back and launch piddly little fucking missiles at each other. So this first (laughs) battle does not necessarily go so well for our team from the near future. And looks, things go on from there, and it's not all just, like, technology beats fucking dumb people with guns. Like, they actually suffer significant losses, they have to fight hard, they have to deal with the fact that they only have a limited supply of magic future technology. 
Like, they have to deal with the political implications of their arrival and setting up, like, a separate little future nation away from everyone else that they have to negotiate with the U.S. for, and they have to deal with people, like, trying to poach talent and fuck old movie stars before they become movie stars and things like that. <laughs> I have a feeling this, this series of books is going to be very entertaining. It is excellent. <laughs> right, but the TV show is right. actually another one from England called Survivors. And the basic premise is it's set in the present day, but 90% of the Earth's population has been wiped out by a viral pandemic, basically, uh, the European flu. And, of course, this means that there's no electricity. There's no technology. Well, there is technology, but whatever's left over and isn't powered by electricity. You know, there's no easy access to food. Society as we know it has fallen apart into groups of looters and so on and so forth. And basically this is a group that has come together and they're struggling with their, well, with the world after people, basically. Hmm. It's oh. sort of like a zombie show without zombies. Or maybe with zombies, but they're microscopic zombies. That <laughs> 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 float through the air and give you the flu. I've seen this. It has Julie Graham. It's it. This yeah. is what uh, the Walking Dead should have been, basically. Yes. Good, in other words. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no. It is an excellent kind of. It's the same style of show as a zombie show, just without the zombies and all of that. It's just the parts about trying to rebuild the world and live in our civilization after that civilization has collapsed. Sounds like something I'd be into. It, I remember it being surprisingly funny for a, a post-apocalyptic dystopia. There like is quite a bit writing. of dark humor. It is pretty good writing. Like, it's not all just dour, bloody, oh no, the Germans are here, they're killing us all, this is a bit shit, I should have moved to fucking Fresno. <laughs> yeah, no, it is fucking, it's funny, it's dramatic, it's got all sorts of highs and lows that it hits as it goes along. It isn't singularly focused. Alright. Alright, so now we're going to start of off course, with... They should, have moved to Fre- they should have moved to Fresno because nobody wants Fresno. No. <laughs> Not even invading armies of the past. No. Have you ever been to Fresno? No. Nobody wants Fresno. Yes. I yes. regret it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Alright, so comedies. Let's start off with... Um, Perhaps I don't I think the most the most irritating one for me Down Dog. Oh god this show. I couldn't what? I couldn't finish it. I couldn't finish watching an episode. It just it was just pissing me off. What was that one about again? It was the the idiot yoga instructor. Oh yeah. yeah. It's a stoner comedy that's not very oh good. God, you know, it's probably I, because you live in California. You know too many people like this. No, you know what it is. This you you <laughs> you've kind of hit the head. You kind of hit the nail right on the head there, Trevor. This show. I, look, I moved to Los Angeles from after living in the East Coast for uh, all of my life. I moved here when I was you know seventeen. I've been living here since. I I love Los Angeles. I love men. I love most of, most of the time. Los Angeles is is awesome. I love it. But there are some things about Los Angeles that just like, just annoy me, like the whole rodeo, like the whole rodeo drive culture, the whole Beverly Hills culture, a lot of Glendale, and and this this show, this show takes 
everything that I hate about Los Angeles and distills it just down to a, a deep, like a syrupy, black pitch sort of just just essence of all of that. So gluten-free molasses. Oh, okay. God, yes. Yes. Like the scene. Okay, so let me just let me just set this up. Down Dog, and I'm taking this straight from the, the Amazon thing here. Am, Down Dog is a story about a handsome, carefree yoga instructor that has breezed through life, women, and jobs. But when he breaks up with his girlfriend, who is also his partner at their successful yoga studio, he is forced to face reality for the first time. And I know it's satiric. It says right here, a satirical look at LA's yoga culture. Okay, I get it. They're doing this on purpose, but it just fills me with so much hate and the thing about a comedy is that when bad things happen to the protagonist you you're supposed to laugh because somehow the protagonist did something to deserve it either it was something that you know just it was a you know plan that backfired on them and you knew it was failed from the start but i i look at this guy this this main character here and i can't i can't dislike him and i can't, i can't feel like he's brought this on himself at least not knowingly cuz he's so stupid see i have i have the opposite uh i have the same reaction for the opposite reason um i am very much not into the uh, the the TV trope, if you will, of can this spoiled man-child learn to not be so spoiled and man-childly? I'm done with that. I None of that holds any comedy comedic potential for me. I think good comedy, at least this kind of comedy, requires empathy. Like, that's yeah. why the first... The first bits of the American office were okay. And then it went downhill really fast. But, like, you had some empathy for the characters before you knew who they were, really. Um, And so you could feel like, oh, you know, these things that they are doing that are turning out bad, I feel bad, and I laugh, and, you know, we get a cathartic moment. There was none of that here. No. None none whatsoever. there There was none of that. I mean, I mean, for me, I... It's not like he's a spoiled man. It's not he's a man child for sure. It's he's not like, a man child. Yeah, he's definitely a man child, but he's not like a spoiled man child. He's not like some trust fund kid who got everything is in life because it was just bought for him. He was just a lucky guy. You know, he's he's got good looks, he's lucky, he's just he's really easy breezy in terms of things in life and he just managed to good fortune well, he was born with good fortune, basically. I can't, I can't begrudge him for that, and I feel empathetic towards him because you look at him; he's like he's like a dumb puppy. He doesn't understand what's going on around him or the consequences of it. So there's no like for me, there's no cathartic moment of, oh, he's finally understood what has happened. He just he doesn't get it. He doesn't understand. So there that that moment is lost. I feel like I have no uh, patience for those kind of people understanding, like, 
learning to grow and change and become not shitty people. It's like, they don't. It's like garbage people on Twitter, right? Right. Like, those people are garbage people, and some of them will become not garbage people anymore. Um, I would like to make a disclaimer. Uh, I really appreciate the hard work and dedication of actual garbage people uh, who, you know, pick up garbage and stuff. Right. Those people should be paid more. Sanitation Um, workers should be paid more, yes. But, so, like, garbage people on Twitter, sure, some of them will be, you know, will have a realization and not be dicks anymore. But in the meantime, and and we should and and I don't, I speak for myself on this. I don't know if Nelson agrees or not. But we're talking about people who are just actual idiots and assholes. Not like not Kim Kardashian, for example, who pretends to be a lot stupider than she is. But actual stupid no, like, asshole people. Bad bad people. Yeah. Um, and I don't have the patience to like, go along with their journey of self-enlightenment. No. <laughs> Basically. I mean, this this show, I think it it's trying to hit the same sort of... This show and another show on, the, on, on, on this pilot season are going for very much the same plot thread here, but they're taking two completely different tacks on it, and I am not... I'm not... I'm not happy with this, with this show... I don't you want it what? to get greenlit, but I think this ha- show yeah. this show wishes it were Californification. Yes, yes, because that show was about a man child who had to learn to not become a man child. But there was empathy there. There was a genuine comedy. There were, you know, it's not the best show, obviously, but right. <laughs> it was funny. It was good. It had some some good bits. Yeah. Um. <sighs> And this show is not from that show. The, from the descriptions, it seems to me like it's trying to be Californication through the lens of this show called It's Like You Know. That's the worst <laughs> show title. It's the worst show title, but it was a surprisingly good show. Uh, I don't know. Right, and tr- it was about a, it was about a, a guy who moved from the mid... Uh, was it the Midwest or was it the... East Coast. No, it was the East Coast. A guy moved from like New York or somewhere like that to LA. So, but yes. Anyway, time for some recommendations. Yes, please give me I some time to listen uh, to Victor's rant, which I'll give a three Lukes on the SFBRP rant scale. Give me a give me a chance I- to breathe here and and reassert my <laughs> calm. Okay, Trevor, just go. <laughs> okay, I'm going. I'm going. Yeah. Right. Let's see. There's two here. First one is one that a lot of people have watched and probably know about called Black Books. It's about a angry, drunk Irishman running a bookshop that he doesn't actually want anyone to come oh, to and buy God. things from because he it's fucking hates everyone. It is the best show. It is it gets, so good. The other it, gets a, it gets a little irritating if you watch more than like three episodes at a time. Oh, uh, If you like and Bill Bailey. Like, want to strangle him a little bit, but otherwise it's a good show. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's sort of like Quentin, except he didn't become a magician. He became a drunk Irishman who runs a bookshop. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> There's like five people who know what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay, and the other one is one that a lot of you haven't watched but would enjoy the fuck out of. 
So basically, everyone who has watched House of Cards, everyone who has watched Veep, you need to watch The Thick of It instead. Yes. Because The Thick of It is excellent. It's basically like House of Cards distilled through a nice filter of Veep, except it predated both of them, and the swearing is ten times better. Okay. I'm sorry, Americans, you just can't compete with Commonwealth countries when it comes to swearing. <laughs> um, okay. I mean, honestly... Well, it's, what's his name? Yes, it's got, I'll give... What's his name? Right? <laughs> yeah. The guy who I keep yes. calling Capibaldi and, and pretend he's Italian. <laughs> I don't know why. It's a weird mental tick. Yes. Peter Capaldi. It, he is in it as Malcolm Tucker, the sweariest man in Britain. <laughs> <laughs> A show with Mr. And Angry well, Eyebrows. I'll admit, Great. I'll admit, while they do well on Veep, Veep has not yet had the pure cojones to call someone a shit-ejaculating fuck bastard. That's impressive. The English, like, this is... And they have all of this, all of this situational comedy, all of the, frankly, insane levels of cursing, all of the bizarre threats from a man who runs primarily on stress and caffeine, so I empathize with him quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> and all of this is layered over a dense political drama happening in the background. So watch this show instead of Down Dog. Yes. It is amazing. Yeah. Also watch In the Loop, which is not actually the same thing, but is very similar because it still has Malcolm Tucker in it and just everyone else from that show playing the same kind of characters. I, with I consider names. it the the movie version, like the movie sequel. All right. All right uh, what is the next show on the Amazon Prime list? Okay. We well, have, as it has been so eloquently put, either gun show or frat, gun runners or frat boy murders. Right. So uh, we got one more actually comedy. Uh, also, we've got uh, Salem Rogers Model of the Year 1998. Oh, right. <laughs> uh oh. That one. <laughs> um. So this show is a uh, it's a straight comedy. Um. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a sitcom. It's a sitcom. Yeah, let's say that. Um, so it's a, the premise is this. Um, after a decade in rehab, an abrasive former supermodel tries to recreate her success in a new world she barely recognizes, relying on the help of her browbeaten former assistant. Unfortunately, her world is no longer a place where people jump at her command or care about who she is. So we've got the prima donna model here that spent 10 years years in rehab so much that the rehab facility pretended to be shutting down just to get her out and her assistant has thus has has during this time made an actual modest career for herself being a writer um and here she comes storming in and trying to reclaim you know her supermodel career and it is not easy because she's 10 years older she's in her 30s and supermodels and the one thing this show really got right is that supermodels don't really exist anymore. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I mean, I thought it had its funny moments, but I spent most of the time just sort of like going, Ugh, why can't anybody put this woman in her place? 
<laughs> in that in that somebody tell her to shut the fuck up. Take her down a few pegs. Um, I think we the... fucking letters about this picture. You know that, right? <laughs> we get letters. I think, <laughs> I think the uh, the the trope of you know bossy person uh, who you know doesn't doesn't, uh, doesn't yeah doesn't get it is kind of played out. No, I mean it's interesting to see it from this perspective, and that could have been a an interesting thing, but I think it doesn't have enough comedic material to last a whole season. Yeah, no like, kidding. I mean, it's basically the same joke over and over again. I mean, yeah, even this like, episode. I see it maybe a movie, maybe a made-for-TV movie. Maybe. Like, there's not a lot of material to work with there. Yeah. No, I think this. I think you, you've hit it pretty much right on the head. It, this, there's not a whole lot of jokes to be made, and this the, the best format for this would be a made-for-TV movie because, honestly... I mean, even within the one hour, which I think, even within the half hour uh, runtime that it is, it used the same joke twice. Um, mm-hmm. And I really, I'm, I don't care about Salem Rogers. I don't. Even though she's the titular character, I don't care about her. I care about the assistant because the assistant is going to be using, you know, her old bosses reclaiming her modeldom as a means to jump to put a little extra voltage into her own writing career. I care about the assistant. Mm. I don't care about the model. And I think I want... Yeah. Actually, when you mentioned her name, I I didn't know who you were talking about for a second. (laughs) Exactly. And then I I looked at my list of the shows with their, their, like, title cards, and her name is gigantic on the cover of the the show, and I'm like, oh, right. That's who she is. Exactly. Yeah. Nobody the cares about her. Good. Yeah, the assistant was good. I, I I want to see the assistant, you know, continue loosening up a little bit, but I have no care for the model. I really don't. So, uh, I don't know. So, uh, Trevor, what have you got for uh, similar shows or better shows? <laughs> Definitely better. Yeah. Okay, I've got two, again, because I, I, I'm having trouble picking just one because there's so much good TV out there. If you know where to look... Like, for example, outside of America. Uh, (laughs) Okay, the first one up is an Australian comedy show called Shock Jock. And, well, as a basic premise, it's the newsroom, except it's a comedy instead of a drama. Yes! It's set in the 1980s during the rise of FM radio over AM radio. Mm -hmm. And instead of news, it's about shock jocks. This, This show sounds so up my alley. It is... Excellent. It's starring an old comedian called Tim Ferguson, who many Australians will remember from Don't Forget Your Toothbrush, uh, the Douglas Anthony All-Stars, who are still one of my favourite bands. (laughs) And it's basically the who's who of Australian comedy of the 2001-2002 period. But it is an excellent show, excellently written, great timing, excellent comedy. So, yeah, and it doesn't do that thing that a lot of, like, set-in-the-past shows do where it's like, oh, uh, fucking Conan O'Brien, he's a good kid, but I don't think he'll amount to much. Ha, 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 fuck off. <laughs> that, that shit, stop doing it, everybody, because it's Boy. fucking terrible. You need to be re-educated, possibly shot. <laughs> re-educated with bullets. Go learn some comedies. But 
<laughs> or how to be shot. Uh, let's see. And the other one, I am actually referring to notes. This is the first show where I've made notes. Uh, let's see. The other one is a show called Miranda. And it's a semi-autobiographical show about a English comedian called Miranda Hart, who you might remember from French and Saunders, Family and Other Animals, Vicar of Dibley, Lead Balloon, Smack the Pony. And in the tradition of BBC television personalities, basically every quiz, comedy quiz show they have on the air. If you're famous in the UK, you will be on a quiz show. It is mandatory, I assume. I can only assume. Even even famous but, Americans in the UK have been on quiz shows, and that's saying something. But basically, it's about a kind of socially awkward 30-something who's of above average height and gets mistaken for a man a little more often than she feels comfortable with, mm. who's kind of upper middle class and privately educated, but also has just decided to run a joke shop instead of picking a more reasonable career. Like a like where you go to get like whoopee cushions and stuff yes and she kind of doesn't really fit in with all of the people she's grown up with and the people she's still friends with like Hmm. she's kind of awkward around people and just you know she's a disappointment to her mother and all this other stuff but it is an excellent kind of semi-autobiographical comedy Okay. That is definitely worth watching and definitely worth watching a hell of a lot more than Model of the Fucking Year. Oh, God. Yeah. Which I hope gets greenlit so we get more rants out of Victor like that. <laughs> that, was, that was quite good for you, chap. <laughs> Down Dog would get more rants. But then again, Down Dog is just so terrible, I wouldn't watch it. Speaking of uh, terrible shows, uh, the next show we're going to talk about is Mad Dogs. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is the most oh, American television one. show. Oh. oh, oh, that's where it gets interesting. Oh boy, Mad Dogs. Uh, just before I before I you know just explode here, Mad Dogs. The premises. Um, reading it right off of Amazon. When a group of underachieving forty-something friends gather in Belize to celebrate the early retirement of an old friend, a series of wild events unfold, exposing dark secrets and deception and even murder. This show oh, I was, was such I was of the other show. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, this show was <laughs> such a slog. Yeah, I turned this one off. Uh, it was just not great. I got I watched the whole thing thinking it would hey, maybe it's going to get better. But no, it was just a slog. 56 minutes of these supposed friends doing nothing but shit on each other. I, w- I mean, I wish they would have just done it literally, because then at least you know what's going on. But no, 56 minutes of nothing but these people who are supposedly each other's best friends just just, just being yeah. so angry at each other all the like time. To- I, can, I can explain all of this, but you're going to have to wait. I would like to make a personal uh, appeal to... The uh, the director whose name I'm trying to find, but I can't because he was too embarrassed to be seen. The executive uh, producer was uh, were Chris Cole and Sean Ryan. Yeah. Chris, Chris and Ryan. Here's the thing: if you write a show or movie or play or musical or anything where four people are supposed to be lifelong friends. They need to have chemistry with each other. Yeah. And then, I mean, throughout the entire 
thing throughout the entire thing. These guys were just constantly doing nothing but criticizing each other. Half the time, the only time they were smiling is during the brief montages of them, you know, being at a party or something. There was like a really important, there was a scene that felt like it was an important plot point. One of the guys who's married goes and, you know, brings to the, back to the, his friend's villa this woman and just sleeps with her. And everybody's saying, hey, isn't he married? shouldn't should we stop him and only one of them steps up and says hey what are you doing what's what are you and then it's basically (laughs) it that was it just hey what are you doing not you idiot you're married shouldn't you you need to stop this bullshit just you know what a friend would do when another friend is being stupid i just it was such a slog I, I could barely get through it. Did they ever find out what was happening with the... No, because no, get this. Get this. Spoiler alert. The asshole gets shot. Oh, right great. in front of them. I, do you think the writers knew that they wouldn't get greenlit? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but surprisingly, this show has gotten good reviews. What? Yeah, so... It's a two, uh, nearly two, uh, a little over two thousand five stars, nearly five hundred four stars, about one hundred and fifty three stars, and then eighty four two and eighty eight one. And then I'm getting their comments like good casting and great acting. Gotta see what happens in the ne- happens next. You know what this is? I can see this show on like I mean, if you tone down the swearing a little bit, I can see and the blood. I can see this show on primetime NBC. And it, and Probably it, produced by Chuck Law. Yeah, and you know what? This is exactly why Amazon Prime pilot season exists. Because we're saying, fuck you! We don't want to watch that shit. And yet, here it is, again. Why? <laughs> Alright. Okay. Jemma, help me out here. In that case, now on to the recommendation. And this was honestly the easiest recommendation of the lot. Okay, let me lay it out for you. Okay. This is a pretty simple one. It's about four middle-aged friends, right? Right. And they get together and suggest a holiday in a Spanish-speaking country at the villa of a friend who's become one of the friends who's become wealthy. Hold on. And seriously? <laughs> seriously? Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Okay. Because here is here is why I was saying I can explain this whole show. You know why? <laughs> why? Mad Dogs is originally a UK show. <laughs> You're kidding me. And it's actually really good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, four middle-aged guys who've known each other since sixth form get together for a holiday in Mallorca instead of Belize at the villa of Alvo instead of the other guy in the American one who's a mutual <laughs> friend who became wealthy. His behavior becomes more erratic and is later killed by a guy in a mask for taking a drug boat <laughs> oh my god and things get all sorts of shady and that's the reason why these guys who are supposedly lifelong friends keep being bitter and ripping on each other really hard because they do that in the British one as well except British people have a better concept of how to write friends ripping on each other oh, because it's true. literally mm-hmm. every interaction that British people have is taking the piss out of each other Britain basically runs on constant passive aggression Oh, yes. 
constant passive aggression and polite xenophobia. <laughs> Welcome to England. So once again, enjoy your we stay. <laughs> Just don't stay too long. Once again, <laughs> we have another example of America trying to do a British show, but poorly. Yes. Ignore the Amazon pilot Mad Dogs. Go and watch the vastly superior original Mad Dogs from the UK. It is an excellent black comedy with a lot of psychological thriller kind of stuff packed in there. It's okay. great. I've watched the whole thing, like, basically end-to-end in one sitting after intending to sit down and just watch maybe one or two. It is <laughs> that good. It is great. Okay. So, finally, the very last show we have... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Nelson. What did you think about the show? <laughs> oh, no, I didn't like it. Okay. But I'll check out the UK version. Yeah, definitely. All right, so the uh, the final show we're going to talk about today is Cocked. Um, it's a dark comedy about this uh, gun... Fa- porn. Yes. Um, it's a <laughs> dark comedy about this gun manufacturing uh, company called the uh, the Paxons. Um, the, most of the family is working at the family business, but the uh, one of the sons decided, ah, you know, don't like guns, kind of afraid of them, going to go off and... You know, be the black sheep of the family. Go be a lawyer somewhere. Um, and uh, yeah, well, you know what? He gets dragged back into the family, uh, back into the family <laughs> business, basically kicking and screaming because they, uh, the family business, deci- uh, they were about to premiere a new gun, and the guns company and the gun idea got stolen by another gun manufacturing company, which is ooh, what a twist. Founded by the f- founded by the grandfather's brother. Ooh, you got a little bit of uh, Team Fortress Two going on in there. <laughs> hey Nelson, are you thinking what I'm thinking? Hmm. I thought I was out, and they pulled I'm me right back. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, um, this is the most American TV show. It is it so. Is a, it is American. a TV show oh, no. about how oh, no, guns no, 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 no. will solve all of your problems. Oh yeah. Yeah. I disagree. I say that uh, Sons of Guns is the most American TV show because <laughs> it is a television show about how guns will solve all your problems and also treating your workers incredibly poorly, except it's a reality show. <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> I actually kind I... of enjoy watching it and laughing at it because they're like, oh, yeah, we're putting a silencer on a shotgun. This has never been done before. Yes, yes, it, yes, it has. Well has. What are you talking about, you maniac? <laughs> and like, yeah, basically, this... it is the world's worst gunsmiths, along with one actually good gunsmith, Vince, who quit the show because he was sick of being treated like shit and treated like an idiot. Yeah. This show is... <laughs> but, um, yeah, just them failing. Yeah. This show is... I think it had... I think when they were originally thinking about the concept, it had the potential of being good. <laughs> But this show, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's got it's got uh, Jason Lee in it, who I like. I like Jason Lee as an actor. But in this show, he's, you know, a perpetual asshole to everybody. And it's basically really liberal guy has is now the save is now has to be the saving grace of a really conservative family. And for example, um, you know they're failing at being a gun company, basically, and he says, "Well, have you tried marketing to the LGBT community?" 
Oh, please don't tell me. How did how did they market to the LGBT community? Um, so picture a poster of a uh, of a me- of a white molestashed guy protecting his family from you know a brown person with a brown person breaking into their house with a gun, and he's got his wife, his white wife behind him. They just subbed out the white wife with another white guy. Yeah, it's it's the most American okay. TV show. It right. Is- so it's the standard protect your family gun marketing, except your family has two dads. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And you know what? You know that Daddy's it worked. Oh wait, I've got two dads and a gun. Yeah, Fuck you know it. it and it worked. Hellish. I'm really happy that it worked. But this show, I mean, it wasn't terrible. I was actually, you know, kind of interested in what was going on. But I cannot see myself watching this, you know, for like ten episodes. It's going to be the same problem going over again. Things are going to escalate on both sides. Oh, he's going to find a solution. Uh, things are better now. Oh, things at have one, escalated again. At one point, they're going to actually do the serious gun violence episode, right. and it will not have very good messages. No, it will not. Because basically no. the entire rest of the show would, would have been undermining that message. <laughs> so yeah, I did like it is not there a good was, show. There was the one scene, and I really liked the scene where the 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 gun loving brother was like showing his uh, his nephew. Yeah, you know, there's you know, guns are great. Guns are a way to protect yourself. You know, every American should own a gun. And the little nephew goes to pick up the gun off the table, and he you know, does the thing of holding it sideways, and he just puts him on the ground, taking the yeah. gun out of his hands. Like, what the fuck are you doing? But here's the thing. Yes, you know, at least it has that, but don't keep children around the guns in the first place. Exactly. Like, exactly. You're going to look away for a second, and the little brother is going to pick up the gun and going to shoot you in the face accidentally. Yep. I'm, not, I'm not very... I am not anti-gun. I am anti-Americans having guns. Because everyone <laughs> else seems to get, oh, get along okay with I'm guns. Not, I'm not anti-gun. Americans. I'm not anti-gun. I'm anti-stupid like, people with guns. Yes, See, here's fact. a fun fact for you. Everybody likes to use my country as an example of, oh, great gun control laws, and, <laughs> oh, they haven't had a mass shooting since they enacted the gun control laws. First of all, yes, we have Monash University shooting. It just doesn't qualify as a mass shooting because the guy got tackled because he chose a very poor place to have a shootout. Okay. And also, two people had enormous brass balls to tackle a guy with guns. Uh, and second, but, but, it is easier for me to buy a fucking rifle here than it is for me to buy an airsoft gun. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> Our gun laws are fucked. <laughs> And yet, we don't have mass shootings pretty much at all. You know, shit just carries on normally. You know, things are nice, things are pleasant. It's regarded as a hobby, an expensive hobby, but a hobby nonetheless that people are free to enjoy. Right. We don't worry about, like, oh, no, got to protect my family, got to have my fucking bunker in the middle of Hicksville, fucking full of guns. <laughs> no, man, people just chill. Some people have guns, some people don't. Whatever. Okay. So, uh, have you got a recommendation for a show to watch instead of Cocked? Um, well, I had one, and now I have two. You can, If you want to watch an American show, you can watch Sons of Guns, which is basically Cocked, but better, because these are real people for you to laugh at and go, you are horrible people. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and the actual recommendation is one called Tricky Business, 
and basically it's a drama series set in Sydney about a family business, funnily enough, except instead of guns, it's debt collectors. Ooh, and it's nice. a failing debt collection business, and they and they come in and they try and save the failing business, and it is actually surprisingly a well-written drama. I mean, I originally thought it was going to be just another copy of Pack to the Rafters or some usual family intergenerational drama that was popular there for a few years. But no, it's actually quite well written. It has some pretty clever premises. It does quite well. The only thing I don't like about it is that it's quite short. It only pulls in at 13 episodes, and I think the 13th episode was never aired. It was only released on DVD. Okay. Um... I think that's about it. Uh, just gonna, I'm not. We're not gonna go through all the kids shows because we just don't want to put in that much more time into this. Um, I will say though that um, all of them are pretty much generic kids shows, but one of them is tr- one of them wants to be Avatar and is not Avatar. Uh, and you should probably watch any Australian kids show instead. Cyber Girl, which is not about what you did in chat rooms in the '90s as a teenager. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but does feature villains dressed in only the finest of cast-offs from your local adult shop? <laughs> I, I swear to God, it's like head-to-toe latex and like bondage. One guy like is just shirtless all the time, mesh shirt, bondage harness. I'm just like, wow. I swear to God, I saw that costume in fucking simply adult like three weeks ago. <laughs> and, you know, like Ocean Girl and shit like that. All of them are better than all of those kids' shows. So just watch those fucking blinky pills, son. Watch Skippy the Bush Kangaroo. Pilot's a helicopter. <laughs> Skippy the Bush Kangaroo, huh? Yes. <laughs> it is the cheesiest. Okay. Um, but that's about it. That's, it. Uh, that's about it. Uh, guys, you have anything you want to let uh, let the listeners know about before we adjourn? There is an excellent young woman in my city called Mama. She is making these plushes mm. called, at the moment she has the box box, and her range is currently expanding. So you should go and order yourself a box box because they are adorable. And also the name box box sounds a little bit dirty, and that's kind of funny to me because I'm an enormous child. <laughs> and she also has a bunch of new products coming out, including the Takio Carp which is a carp in the shape of a takioki, or vice versa. And, of course, the Parallelo Ram, which I have been giggling to myself about for literally the past three days. <laughs> so, yes, go buy her stuff. She's an excellent person. And not only do you want to give her money for these excellent things, she also really deserves your money because she is an excellent person, I promise you. Mm. Nelson, do you got anything you want to want to let people know about or... Not really. Uh, I would like to let them know that I am going to make some delicious lamb chops in yum. a few minutes. Yum, uh, yum, yum. I got some fresh rosemary, so I'm going to roast them with some rosemary and some uh, what is it, sweet potatoes and other, other rutabagas. rutabagas and stuff. Uh, so y'all be jealous Easy now. Girlfriend. Yeah. Throw, uh, throw a bit of lime on the suckers as well if you've got some. I have some lemon. I don't know about lime. Hmm. If you have lime, throw just a little bit of lime. Just a touch. Just a bit. And Nelson's going to be starting his own podcast, Nelson's Cooking Hour, which you should definitely <laughs> subscribe to. You know what? You joke, <laughs> but I, I really should. Yeah, why not? 
You should. Although, although since I got a, a recently, Charlotte gave me a, a rice cooker for my birthday—a really little, like tiny uh, three-cup one. Oh, cute. it is the best. Cute. Um, rice cookers. Yeah, Nelson's cooking hour will basically just be put Time your rice lots. in the rice cooker, put your water in the rice cooker, press the button, and go play video games. Da-da. It'll be just like an hour shot of that of the rice cooker with the music. Da 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 da. All righty then. Well, um, not much uh, for me. I don't have anything I really need to plug. Uh, I've been putting up videos on YouTube uh, at a fairly, you know, good clip recently. Um, Not the not behind the screen. I'm still pollen has been killing me, so I've yet to sit down and actually record all the footage and stuff for it. But um, I put a video up there that's an hour of me erasing a cassette tape. (laughs) Whatever. Um, but that's about it. This has been Acceptable Vices. As a final message of the day for you, lads, remember, the roast meat of today is the roast meat sandwich of tomorrow. Indeed, indeed. The three of us will see you next week on Friday Night Party Line. We'll see you guys then. Bye-bye. Bye.